Hello, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Community Church. I am Pastor Jeff Lee. Pastor Eric is gone this week. He's over in Avalon. He is taking care of a wedding for some of our millennials, for Mitch and Mackenzie. So keep him in your prayers. And we are in part two of a new series, Beyond Doubt. And uh, that's pretty exciting. If you were here for Easter, that was a great turnout. It was awesome to see the building so full with everyone. And we started a series that talked about, does the Word of God have answers for difficult questions? And we looked at the story in the life of, of Thomas. And uh, although we said he was doubting Thomas, we, we took the opportunity to see him in a new light. And in that new light, we learned that by asking questions, Thomas really wasn't a negative person, a negative person that we traditionally see by saying, I have some concerns, I have some doubts. But by asking questions, Thomas really was someone who grew in his faith. And in the end, he was the only follower of Christ who was able to recognize him as Lord and Savior. So we kind of flipped that around. So we took that from beyond doubt. His doubt took him from beyond having doubt to absolute knowledge. And we saw that earlier, even when we talked about Christ in the wilderness, we, we, we looked at the being alone as being something that was negative. And, and Jesus showed us that being alone with the Father is not negative. It's, it was a wonderful opportunity for him to strengthen his resolve with his relationship with his Father. And so keeping in that same kind of light, as we move into this series today, I'm going to be tackling the question, you know, does prayer change anything? And that's the tough question. And there's a lot of tough questions out there. And over the next few weeks, as you guys come to church, we're looking forward to answering some of those other tough questions that are out there. So um, that, that's kind of our goal. It's simple, but it's, it's kind of monumental to, to, to answer beyond a shadow of a doubt those difficult questions beyond doubt, to know that God's Word has those answers for us, that each one of us can come as is to, to the Lord and say, you know, I have this concern. Can you answer that for me? And I'd like to just focus on a, a particular passage this morning as I get ready to pray. And, and this is a great passage for, if you don't have this, Philippians 4, 6. It just says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And basically what that's saying is, rather than worrying about anything, pray about everything. And make sure you're always praying with that heart and that attitude of thanksgiving. So, with that heart of thanksgiving, let's go to the Lord this morning and thank Him for this time. Father God, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for this life that we have. Thank You for the marriage that we have. Be with our kids. Be with everyone that's in the world today, um, especially Eric on his boat ride and all the different things going on in Catalina. And just pray that You bless this time. In Your name we pray. Amen. So with that as kind of our starting point and kind of the background, um, let's kind of make sure we take the opportunity to just realize that maybe it's just the thought of prayer as just being something so simple and mundane um, that causes it to be overlooked. You know, a lot of people just think, you know, when it comes to prayer, um, you know, it's only required or really needed for a couple of things, right? Um, dinner, like if you're going to eat, especially depending on the restaurant you're at. <laughs> dinner, uh, before you go to bed. You know, you've had a rough day, you've got a lot of things in your head, you need to clear your head, so you've got to pray there. Or maybe right now it's April it's April 5th, and some of you need to pray right now before your taxes are due. So <laughs> those are the only three things that we need to pray about, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, those are all good things, and 
those are definitely things that you can pray for and, and you should pray for. But it's it's more than that, right? It's, it should be more than that. Those are good things, but it's got to be more. And then what about the things that prayer isn't? I mean, some people have turned prayer into this opportunity to speak in King James. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I pray and, and we, we say, you know, you know, pray is supposed to be, prayer is supposed to be this normal conversation between you and the Lord. And then you're talking to this person and all of a sudden they start to pray and then they start speaking in King James. Oh, Lord, our Lord. I mean, it reminds me of uh, Ben Stiller in that movie, um, The Falkers, you know. Um, Three things I pray, you know, see me more clearly day by day. It's kind of a funny movie. But, you know, that's not, you know, it's not some special speaking tongue. It's just, it's talking, you know. Um, Some people use prayer as a time to quote scripture. Um, And there's nothing wrong with scripture, but, I mean, the Lord gave us scripture. So us giving scripture back to him is not really praying. I mean, that's something we use at at different times in our life. But scripture's for us. It's not for the Lord. So giving that back to him, that's kind of an interesting thing that we use some people use prayer as a time to teach other people. You know, they realize there's a group of people listening, and so their prayers now become an opportunity to, to educate others. But that's not really what prayer is, is it? It's, some people use prayer as a time to, to try to get right. And, uh, and maybe that might work, but, you know, really prayer is more about being honest about how wrong your life is. It's just being transparent about that. Um, you know, the Pharisees used prayers to criticize others. You know, they prayed, thank you, Lord, for not letting me be like those around me. And that's, that's not what prayer is. And some made prayer, some still think prayer is just something hard to do. But, you know, if the Bible says to pray without ceasing and it's hard to do, that would, that would be a, an impossible request. So we're missing out on something, something about prayer we're just absolutely missing. And we need to unlock that. If it's, if prayer is going to change anything, it has to be something that we can unleash. And so let's see if we can figure that out. I think that the key is to unlock the power of prayer. And if you can just think about the power of prayer and unlock that, then the confusing part of it goes away. And I think that's what the devil wants us to do is to realize just how powerful prayer is. And that's why he says, well, as long as you don't think about it in that, in that sense, he wins. But if we do that, that knowledge really helps us. And I know this to be true because just if I said raise your hands right now, I know there'd be so many of you raise your hands. How many times in your life has someone said to you or you heard someone say, you know, uh, can you help me out with this situation? I need some advice or I need to do something. And you hear the response to someone is, you know what, man, sorry, I really can't help you. But you know what? I can pray for you. As if what we're saying to them is, I really don't have anything to offer you vis-a-vis good information, finances, or something like that. But, you know, at the least I can do is I can, you know, throw a little prayer out for you. Have we forgot what James 5.16 says? That the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You say, great power? Oh, yes. The devil wants us to real. The devil does not want us to realize what great power. Think about this. this in the Bible, we hear about um, the account of Jericho, and we forget about that. Um, the walls of Jericho came down at a trumpet sound, yes. But after those walls came down, it was a realization that Israel marched around them for seven days doing what? Praying. It was prayer that God would show himself mighty. Then at the sound 
of the trumpet, the walls came down. It wasn't the trumpet sound that brought the, that initiated those prayers. God answered those prayers. You can play a trumpet sound right now and walls aren't going to fall down. But if the prayer was, God, show yourself mightily, and then the trumpet sound sounded, then the Lord would respond to that. That's power. Those walls were massive. What about Nehemiah's account? Nehemiah was asked to rebuild walls, and also a daunting task. When you think about the group that he was asked to rebuild with, people who had never built anything, a hagtag group as there ever was, yet through prayer, that group was able to not only rebuild them, but rebuild them in a very short amount of time. Prayer not only has power to stop rain, but prayer also had the ability to hold the sun. Stop the rain and stop the sun. Yeah, I would say great power. I think so. And so that's what we've done. We've lost sight of the power of prayers, its ability to change things. And so we kind of turned prayer into simply uh, this thing to just get us out of circumstances, kind of like this Hail Mary we're going to throw when there's no other options in sight. When prayer should not be to get us out from something, but to get us through something by its power. And that helps us to draw closer to God and creates this ongoing dialect with him, which is what we need. Now, I'm not suggesting we don't pray rescue prayers. There's never a time when those shouldn't be made or couldn't be made. I just don't want you to pray them in light of not realizing the power of that prayer to change things. We need to see how God always stands with us so powerfully when we pray. And then he builds our faith and he develops us spiritually and strength to keep us going. So there is a huge difference between praying away something and then praying through something. That prayer through something, the power of that prayer is completely different. Now often it's, it's anxiety. That's what we talked in the beginning, uh, praying, with, praying without anxiety. It's anxiety to get out of difficult or painful or challenging situations. That's why we fail to grow through them. We're fixated on getting out of them that we don't get anything from them. So we fail to learn any lesson that God might be trying to show us or teach us. We're so focused on God changing that circumstance that we never allow us to change us in the circumstance. So instead of God, instead of spiritual growing pains, we just have spiritual moaning pains. You know, woe is me. Why would God do this? Something we need to pray... You know, sometimes we do need to pray, you know, Lord, get me out of this situation. This is dire. But sometimes, Lord, we just need to get me through this situation. I know you're having me here for a reason and for a time, and I need wisdom, and I need discernment to know what you're doing. And that's why I think ultimately what we need to do is just rethink the power of being able to pray away anything. Like, you know, when Jesus was in the wilderness or asking questions, maybe we just need to rethink the power of being able to pray to God. Like the wilderness... Or asking questions. You know, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he had that time alone. He knew that the Lord was going to strengthen his resolve because he knew that there was great temptations coming his way. And that's what we need to see is that in that quiet time, the Lord is preparing us. You know, recently here at church in a prayer meeting on a Wednesday morning, someone in the room was praying. And I heard somebody say something about thank you or answered prayer. I'm not sure really what it was. But... uh, However it went, it came back to me like this. We don't thank God because he answers prayer, but we thank him because he hears it. Now, let me say that again. We don't thank God because he answered my prayer, 
We thank Him because we hear it. Because the opportunity that He's even listening to our prayers is so crucial. If we had no one to even share our prayers with, it's so crucial. Now, God already knows the results of everything. But just thanking Him because He's answered something is not half as important as just thanking Him because He listens and He loves and He cares. You know, instead of seeing Prayer is a way of asking God for something that we want or even something that we need, even if that's good. Now we're just grateful that we have the opportunity to pray to a loving God that hears all, that listens to all, regardless of the answer, an all-powerful God who loves us beyond doubt. You see, prayer now can become a means of connecting us with that Father on a regular basis. That's why it says, without ceasing. The model of prayer... This, this model of prayer now shows God in a personal way that he desires regular contact, not a Hail Mary, a, a once-in-a-lifetime past, but regular contact. He see, we now see him as the creative power of the world, and we see that power encompassing all that governs life in the universe, space, time, matter, energy, everything. And we realize that power is his to be functioned with and used at his discretion in prayer. God's power has the ability to change all situations. Thus, prayer has the ability to change. So much so that point number one makes it perfectly clear. Prayer opens our heart to God. We can now understand that God has a purpose and plan for quieting our hearts. Sometimes in those difficult situations, God quiets us. Sometimes on that hospital bed, when you're in that difficult situation and it's dead calm, you have an opportunity to hear God. He opens our heart to him. And now we see our role in his master plan. And now we see that pain and suffering sometimes work to quiet us down so that he can refine us. Because if we're going so fast and doing so many different things, he does not have the same opportunities. And now we find where our true comfort comes from. We find comfort in Him, not seeing Him as distant and away from us and not caring, but as close as a loving Father who cares. And I don't know about you, but the, the hospitals that I visit, there's very few times when I can visit somebody and ask, do you want prayer? And someone says no. You know, suffering and pain go without saying that people in those situations often have no other choice but to seek the relief of prayer because they've already tried the entire gamut of all medical attempts. And so prayer opens our heart and that's what he's interested in. He wants our heart. He wants that relationship. And so prayer is trying to change our heart. Additionally, prayer allows us to realize that we need to have something that's continual. We talked about in the beginning, you know, you know, prayer is not meant to just be that singular event for a food item or for a sleeping need or a tax situation. It's meant to be a continual thing. And so as we continually pray, as we continually work through the situations and traumas and, and strifes of life, as we're continually praying and, and realizing it's not a singular event, we now begin to create a dialogue with the Lord. And in that dialogue, we're seeing more changes on a regular basis as God begins to intervene in all things in our lives. And as we pray without ceasing, it not only leads to greater confidence, but the understanding that not only is he working in difficulties, 
but he's showing himself magnificently in the blessings as well. We become present and aware of all things. Because it's so easy so often in blessings and good times to forget who is providing those things. The disciples, the apostles, they devoted themselves to prayers. Steadfast. Being thankful. How often do our prayers reflect a heart that's in need and we go to the Lord saying, we need, we need, but we, we always start with our needs rather than starting with being thankful. We need to start our prayers and our conversations with thanking Him. Thank Him for the day. Thank Him for the breath that exists. And that continual type of prayer just reminds us to always start with a heart of thanksgiving. Additionally, prayer releases the power of gratitude, which was that... Previous point, thankfulness reminds us that we're not living alone, that we have other commitments, that we have other concerns, and what it's really all about, that we're not independent creatures, but dependent creatures, that he meant us to be in relationship with one another, that he meant us to be in relationship with him, that we realize that we have enough, that we can be thankful with a little And if we can be thankful with a little, then if we have more, we'll still have the right attitude. But prayer is the thing that releases the power of gratitude. Without the power of gratitude, you cannot embrace the quality of life that any of us want to have. Prayer is the thing that releases that. Prayer is the thing that reminds you that there's others living with so little and that you already have so much. Prayer continues to release the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness says, you know what, there's wrongs that we have done. And those wrongs that we have done were were hung on the cross. We talked about that last week at Easter. The wrongs that we have done were forgiven us. Christ died for us before we knew him. What great love. Prayer reminds us what great love the Father showed us when he allowed his son to die for those wrongs that we have done. Then prayer reminds us that when wrongs we have done have been forgiven, that we now can allow those wrongs done to us to be forgiven. We're not to harbor sins against others, and we're not to hold those things that people have done to us wrong. We're to forgive as it's been forgiven. And maybe we have a difficult time with this, but in prayer, as we go to the Lord in a regular, continual thankful attitude we find this that this can be done and i am someone that has had pretty severe ill will done to them and tried very difficult for over two years to release that because the ill will is so severe to my family And the day that I released it to him, I can tell you what an absolute blessing it was to walk up to someone who slandered, maliced, and absolutely verbally assaulted my family for two years. To walk up to him and say, I love you, I forgive you, you're all good. And have that individual say, I just want you to know in the last two years, I've had a chance to rethink what I said, and I've come to the Lord, and I'm sorry for what I've done. And I'm now working at a church, and I'm involved in a men's ministry. And I know there's no way I can say it, but, but I was going to come to you and do it. I just couldn't do it. And there in a parking lot, be able to be reconciled to someone who never knew how he was going to come back, but just to know that God had that whole thing planned the whole time.
to let that thing go. Forgiveness. Because prayer reminds us to serve others. Praying for our enemies. Not attack them in your prayers, but lift them up in your prayers. Pray expecting that God will intervene. Show compassion. His prayer was that none should perish. Why are we praying that they should perish? We're supposed to be praying like Jesus. We're supposed to be acting like Jesus. Doing like Jesus. That's how he prayed. We should pray the same way. He came to serve. His prayers reflected that. Go serve. Go make. And that's what we should do. It's like doing a push-up. No matter where you start with your prayer life, it's like doing a push-up. If you can't do a lot of prayer, if you can't do a push-up, then everyone starts at zero. But if you just start doing a push-up every morning, no matter what, at zero, by the end of the week, you might be able to do half a push-up, right? Because some of us just aren't Jimmy and can't do 12 push-ups, 50 push-ups. I don't know, 100. Okay, good. It's good to be young. The rest of us, if we start with zero, by the end of the week, we do a half. And when our prayer life, when we start with zero and we just start praying at the beginning of the day and say, you know, Lord, it's the morning. I just woke up and I want to start my prayer life. So help me remind myself just to talk to you continually throughout the day. And then just set it in your phone every hour. Have your phone beep one time. When it beeps, say, remind yourself to pray. Oh, Lord, an hour of my life just went by. Thank you for that hour and what I've been working on. Set your alarm an hour, two hours later. Well, two hours later, Lord, thank you. And just start retraining retraining your mind. It's just like doing push-ups. I guarantee you, you want to do sit-ups, the same thing, young person. When I was, there was a time in my life where I was quite fit. And the simple program was just wake up in the first morning and write down zero on a calendar and zero in push-ups, zero in sit-ups, and then just see what happens. And day by day, week by week, your body will respond. Trust me, it doesn't like it. It doesn't enjoy it, but it will respond. Everyone's, regardless of age, stretching the same. I could never bend over and touch my toes if I wanted to in a hundred years. Even today, it'll never happen. But if I really wanted to, if I just worked on it every single day, eventually, I could. Anything you can do if you just put your mind on it and start working it. Because the goal of this whole process is to show that God is good and glorify him in our life. Our chief objective is to find out what God's perfect plan is. And that plan is being exposed in prayer. And there's going to be seasons of good in that. There's going to be seasons of difficulty. And we need to know that God's goal is not always to change the circumstances. Sometimes his goal is to change us. Right? Lord, can you change this person's heart? We were praying, can you change that person's heart? And he's like, no, I'm trying to work on this heart right here. Right? That other person's not a believer. That's not about them right now. It's about you and your heart. So I'm trying to work on this. Because what's the point? If he already knows our prayer, then what's the point of all that prayer? It's always about him working on us, refining us. We're his children. He loves us. So when we're praying for other people and doing other things, that's what he wants it about. He loves when we're purposing other people to him. God isn't automatically going to do everything. He's going to allow us to partake in prayer, which is allowing us to participate in the privilege of his will. When we get to pray, we're literally joining in the divine in that. Your prayers allow you to join in someone else's life, to, to join in God's will for someone else, and to say, you know what, I'm going to pray for this other individual. I'm praying, God, for this other person that you've purposed in my life. Because through the power of prayer, God gets to show you that his purpose is developing relationships with all people. You know, if the, there's a possibility that prayer didn't exist. Have you ever thought about this? What would life be like if prayer didn't exist? 
You wake up one morning and all of a sudden there's a typo on all your phones. Instead of it being, uh, you know, an amber alert, it says uh, alert from the Lord, alert from the Lord. Officially, as of this morning, prayer is no longer available. I'm sorry you've misused it. You don't understand it. And so it's being removed. Sincerely, the Lord. Can you imagine how different the world would be for believers? What would you do? Where would you go? What would hospital visits be like if that was removed? Instead, what he says is that will never happen because that's not part of his master plan and design. He's designed us and wired us to be involved with him in regular conversation on a regular basis. He wants us to, not just at church, but wherever we are, whatever we're doing, to have that conversation, to have that heart-to-heart openly, transparently, not holding back. I don't mind if there's other people in the room and I get a little emotional. I get a little emotional all the time. And I, I don't apologize to people. I always tell everybody I've earned my tears. So if I need to release them, I release them. I'm okay with that. If you're not, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm a little bit emotional, but I paid a serious price to be in ministry. I watched my best friend pass away the day I graduated from seminary. So those are tears that I've paid for, you know? And when you pay a serious price for something, it, it has great value, right? And it hasn't been easy to be in ministry. And a couple years later, I lost my other best friend after a phone call. Uh, he got caught doing something he shouldn't have, and he took his life. So, you know, know that the Lord is listening and know that he cares. And you can come to him transparently as is and just dump it. But if other people around, you know, sometimes I always wonder, it's like, why do we feel like we have to come so polished? You know? Like, is life polished? Is life pretty and clean? Just come, come as you are, you know? Come clean and just... Just give it to him because that's what he's there for. That's the whole purpose of the cross is that we can just come and get that that situation off. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He's making reference to the Pharisees who said, you know, with their mouth, they bless me. With their mouth, they say all these nice things. But with their heart, they're completely distant from me. You've got to think about that. I mean, don't be someone who's with your, with your mouth is saying one thing, but with your heart and your prayer life, you're completely distant from your Lord. Make sure your heart and your mouth are connected. Prayer is like talking on the phone. And some of you are not really phone people, but the phone has this, you know, the situation where you have to talk and then listen. So some of you haven't figured that out yet. So talk, talk. Where's Frankie at? You're not even here. Talk and then, then listen, listen, okay? So we pray, we ask the Lord for things for our family, things for our friend or whatever, and then you need that time to listen. Listen to the Lord. Have quiet time. Make sure there's time in your life where you're having supplication to listen and wait for the response so the Lord tells you. And when the Spirit shows you and when the Spirit respond, right? And, and that's part of the way that we know that we're in that relationship, that the Spirit's speaking and we're responding. And the goal of continual prayer is simply this. It shows us things that will not happen on earth. Some, some things on earth will simply not happen unless we pray. Have you thought about that? Some things on earth will not happen unless we pray. You, you don't think so? Well, James 4.2 says, you have not because you ask not. Another way you can say it is, he won't say unless you pray. So, are there stories in the Bible that affirm this? Absolutely. Second Kings 19.20, the king of Assyria was threatened to conquer Jerusalem. King Hezekiah knew that he was going to be defeated, so God stopped, stopped Sennareb from doing this. When King Hezekiah prayed, Jerusalem was able to conquer, conquer the entire Assyrian army. God answered his, his prayer. He says, because you have prayed to me about the king of Assyria, I have heard you. And this day has rescued me from that. Did God hear a specific prayer about a specific thing? Yes. Was his prayer for himself? No. His prayer was for the people of God. And he asked God to have mercy 
about an attacking army, and he presented it to the Lord. The Lord heard him. Is the Lord distant and not able to hear? No, the Lord is always here and near. He heard the prayer, and he responded. And that day, he responded to the king, and all of Israel was saved. Sometimes we pray for things to happen, and we forget that even though heaven is, like, in our minds so far away, it's like the Spirit of God is residing in us, right? You know, another catchphrase people always say, when two or more are gathered... But isn't a Christian by default too? Right? I'm, let's, just take this to, let's just take this to the bank and cash this really quick. So I'm a soul, and then the Spirit of God is residing where? In me. So, so we're, I'm really a mobile church. So wherever we go, the church, we're, we are the church. So we are, we're mobile. We're going together. So when we're two together, I think we're more like three because the Spirit is in you and the Spirit is in me. So we're three. That's getting confusing. All right, too much. I'm sorry. I, I, got, I, got, a, I got a doggy head tilt from Jimmy on that. So, all right, too much. We'll get another donut. It'll be better, Jimmy. All right. I just say, well, let's not make prayer confusing. The point is the Spirit is always with us, and it's the Spirit who we're praying through, and it's the Spirit who powers our prayer. So we don't have to make that too confusing. So whenever we pray, it's always being powered. The Bible even says that when you moan and you groan, the Spirit translates. When you're moaning and groaning, have you ever heard someone cry and it's not even tangible to understand what they're saying? That's not true. The Bible says it's literally being translated by the Spirit. With groanings beyond understanding, that's, that means translated by the Spirit. When you're weeping beyond understanding, when you hear someone weep, that's being translated by the Spirit. He understands that. He, he sees that person's weeping and need, and he is meeting that need. He is there in that person's grief. Very powerful stuff. Ultimately, the point of this is that God shows how we need him. Grateful prayers show we need him. The earnest prayer of a righteous person availeth month. I like the story about Jesus walking down the streets of Jericho and two blind men were sitting there and a large crowd of people walked by Jesus and all of a sudden from the crowd, two men yell out to him, Matthew 20, 30, Lord, have mercy on us. As the large crowd is walking by, Jesus stops the entire procession, responds to the people and heals them. You know, Jesus' procession back then were anywhere between 2,000 and 5,000, the estimates were. I mean, his processions were large processions. I don't know when was the last time you were like at Disneyland and 2,000 people or 5,000 people and heard, and heard someone call you out by name. Just this morning, there was only like 50 people here and the music was a little bit loud and Sam was just trying to walk up the wall. I tried to call her name. She couldn't even hear me. Okay? When there's 2,000 to 5,000 people talking, it's really difficult to hear someone call your name. And these guys were obviously not physically that able. So I'm not imagining their breath capacity was that strong. And yet they said, Lord, have mercy on me. And he stops the entire procession, turns to them, and then comes and heals them. You know, are you worried about the Lord hearing you in your time of need? How you call out to him, whether you cry out to him or speak. That's what I'm saying. It's not how loud we talk to the Lord or how quiet we talk to the Lord. It's not even how fast we talk to the Lord or how slow we talk to the Lord. It's that you... You just turn and talk to the Lord. He hears. The Spirit hears. I just think that's such an amazing story. I love it, too, that Jesus knows the value of talking to your Lord and uh, talking to the Lord in the time of need. How about his garden prayer when he says, Not my will be done, but yours. Right? What's the value of prayer? Does prayer have the power to change things beyond doubt? Here's Jesus in the garden. He's about to face this amazing thing. And who's he praying to? He knows where the source of power is. He knows how to stay connected. 
And he knows that his will, his will is struggling. I, if this can pass, man, if this cup can pass, this is a huge load. I would love for this to pass. But you know what? Man, not my will be done, Lord, but yours. And he's in constant communication. Jesus is constantly in communication with his Father. And, he's, and that's what keeps him strong. That's what keeps him steadfast. That's what keeps him going. I just think that's so amazing. The prayer of forgiveness is the way that we release those burdens to God. Some of us are struggling, but the, the whole point of that first prayer was being anxious for nothing, but some of you are struggling. And I want you to know something. The term pack mules makes sense, right? Pack mules, you've been to Arizona, you've gone down the thing, they use mules, they pack all the stuff on it. So mules are really good at carrying stuff. Does pack sheep make any sense to you? You know, trying to put some load on. How much weight do you think we could get on a sheep? Like a pound, and they would just crumble, right? I mean... Sheep are not pack animals. Interesting that the Lord calls us sheep. I know we're not really big fans of what sheep are actually like, but it's, it, we're not pack animals. We're not designed to carry loads. There's a reason why. Because Jesus said, my burden, my, my yoke is easy. So when you pray and you bring your burdens to me, my yoke is capable of carrying what? Your load. So, you pack animal that's not designed to bring that to me and my yoke will then carry your load. I'm, I'm able to. I already showed you that I'm able to. I already did. I shouldered it. It's good. If we can just consider how the Lord's worked all that out when we pray, what we're doing is we're releasing our burdens into his capable hands and we're saying, okay, just like you said in the garden, not my problems, whatever, Lord, you've given me these problems, so I'm putting these problems with you and saying, you help me get through it. I don't have to enjoy it. I don't have to like it. But get, get me through it and refine me in such a way that, that's appropriate for what you want me to be when I get through it. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be angry. I'm not happy about cancer. I'm not happy about whatever I'm being asked to go through. But if you're asking me to go through it, then get me through it with the right attitude. Here's this burden, and you give it to him. And then you, you're yoked to him, so you're going to go through it together. And I tell you what, if you're struggling with burdens, if you're struggling with anxiety in your life, it's probably because you're still shouldering the load. So maybe today when we get to prayer time, that's something you can offload to him. Ultimately, the reality is God intervenes in people's lives. We know that because of the power of salvation. If it wasn't for salvation, then the reality is simply this. We all start the same. Everyone in this room, we all hold one thing near and dear. We all start the same, right? Sinners saved by? We all start zero. Separated from the love of God. Something changed that starting point. What changed it? Beyond doubt. A prayer to the Almighty God that simply said this. I realize that there is something greater than me. I acknowledge that there is something greater than me. In the fact that there is something greater than me, something had to have happened in you, Christ, that did something that needed to be accomplished. And I now receive that task that you did. You died for my sins. You removed that debt that I could not pay. And in receiving that life-giving sentence is now being given to me, I am now moved from zero to point one. New life. And life begins. Does prayer change things? Prayer not only changes things, but it alters them for eternity. And without the power of prayer and without lights going on and off in the middle of my service, (laughs) 
Charlie, work the dimmer right now. What do we got working here? I got a new power. We got, oh, hey, hey, thank you. Some people do that, right? As though that's some kind of. Without the power of prayer, we would all end up at zero. And then one day we would stand before the Lord in the beam of seat of judgment and it would be a different day, right? But because of the power of prayer, when I get before the Lord, I already know what's going to happen. He's going to say, step forward, my good and faithful son. I may not feel like a good and faithful son ever the rest of my life, but I have the affirmation of the cross in my heart to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's what he's going to say. Amen? Now, I tell you one thing about this. Everything I've said to you today about being healed and being a believer is from a Christian worldview. And I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. And so that means my perspective of everything is a Christian worldview. But maybe you're here today, or maybe at some point this message will be recorded. It'll go out. And you know what? You're, you're part of this beyond doubt. Is you, you have doubt. And you're still struggling. And you're like, you know what? I still struggle with what prayer is or what it can do. In the lobby, we have the book, The Case for Faith. Um, Lee Strobel's book. And you guys are welcome to take those and give those to someone. If you know someone who's an atheist... Atheist, don't, don't believe. Agnostic, don't know. If you know someone who's an atheist or an agnostic, please take those books and share them with them. Um, someone who's gone through that before and struggled, wrote a book about it. But there's also the medical field, which has experienced something. And so one of them decided to write a little something, something about it. So let me go outside of the Christian community and share with you something that I believe is absolutely, quantifiably, just certifiably amazing. Dr. Randy Bird was and is a staff cardiologist in the San Francisco General Hospital and a professor at the University of California. He conducted a 10-month double-blind study in 1988 in the Southern Medical Journal of July 1988, so that's recorded, please look it up if you like, of 393 patients admitted into the coronary intensive care unit of the hospital. In the hospital, there would be two groups, a prayed-for group of 192 patients and the other group of 201 patients who would not be prayed for. Prayed for, not prayed for. Three groups of people around the country would then be given the names of the people in the prayed for group, their diagnosis, their prognosis, and their, de- and their designation. The groups then were asked to pray for the patients by name, once a day, and that's it. No other information was given. No other information was given. And no patients, nurses, or physicians even knew about the patients being prayed for. Double blind, no denominations, no affiliations, just pray, not pray, completely out of the the results of everyone's uh, knowledge. Ten months later, the results is turned in. The results were, according to Dr. Bird, startling. The prayed for 192 patients were five times less likely to require antibiotics three times less likely to develop fluid filling in the lungs. None of the prayed-for patients required breathing tubes compared to 12 in the other group of 200, and fewer of the, of the prayed-for patients actually passed away during the actual survey. The findings were then published in the American Heart Association Journal. The study was so profound that three other major studies were then performed by other doctors who also found the study to be interesting. I I grabbed one more summary from another one who also was very much a non-believer. Listen to how he carefully words his results. In summary, 
intercessory prayer has been associated with lower coronary care unit course scores. These results suggest that prayer may be an effective assistant to standard medical care. Quotations. <laughs> what they're trying to say here in a bunch of gobbledygook doctor talk is even though people who don't believe in God or can't say God or don't know how God works in the whole picture, even when God's not even mentioned, prayed for, not prayed for, and no other parameters were even brought up to bear, beyond a shadow of a doubt, something changed. And it was quantifiable, which means mathematically speaking, on a bar chart, it was quantifiable. You could see quantifiably the results. If non I got goosies. If, if, if non-believers, guys, can figure out something's going on in our community, then we as believers need to understand something about the significance and power of prayer. It's time for us to take a deep breath, forgive ourselves for what we don't understand about it, don't be mad about all the things we could be doing right or could be doing wrong, and just say, you know, starting today... How can my prayer life change? Because the devil, I think tithing, I think prayer, and I think baptism are the three things that the devil has hidden from believers and confused us on the significance and power. And so today, just releasing prayer to you, completely removing the veil and saying, this is what prayer is intended to be, a regular, ongoing conversation. Just like the more I talk to Bella, the more time I hang out with Bella, the more I'm going to know about Bella, the closer I'm going to be. Any person in here, the more time we spend and the more we hang out, the closer we're going to be. There's someone here today, and I won't embarrass them because I'm not like that, but there's a, a family that's here today that I met um, eight, nine, nine months ago when they came to the open house for the little lighthouse, and I invited him there to church, and I, I get to see her every once in a while, and her husband every once in a while, and they're here today. But you know what? To me, that's prayer. I've been praying for them for nine months to come to church, and today they talk to me about their journey just to get here today. And that's prayer, the power of prayer, just to get nine months ago to come to church one time today. That is the power of prayer. But you know what's even more amazing? There is someone in our church who prayed for their husband's salvation for 54 years, and God said no. And she never stopped praying. And in the final weeks of his life and in the final moments of his life, the door came down. The veil was removed, and Jim finally said yes. Right, Donna? And I know some people have a really difficult time with deathbed conversions, but you know what? The thief on the cross has something to tell you guys. Today, you'll be with me in paradise, the Lord told him. So who are we to say what type of conversion works and what type of conversion doesn't work? I tell you that prayer has the ability to tell us what works and what doesn't work and when it should work. Your job is just to pray without ceasing to know that the Lord is good and he's working even when you can't see it. Never give up. Never stop praying because today the veil may come down in someone's life and today might be the day of salvation. Would you pray with me? Father God in heaven, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to the thought that us mere mortals of jars of clay, as my brother Tom's always saying, jars of clay could speak a word to you and say, in the name of your son Jesus, would you forgive us? 
Thank you for sending him down to earth to die on that cross to forgive us of our sins. Thank you for the realization that even though the starting point is zero and we have nothing to offer you, but through the power of your scripture and through the power of your spoken word, we can come to the cross and simply say that I don't, I don't deserve anything. I just know that my life is filled with struggle. It's filled with strife. It's filled with all these voices and all these different things that make no sense. And you say, just come as you are. Open your heart to me and leave your cares and your troubles at my feet and take on my son. His name is Jesus and his burden is light. And make him Lord and Savior of your life. And he will be your king and he will be your Lord. And begin a regular, ongoing communication with me. And don't make it something difficult or some kind of special thing that's so complex. Just simple, regular communication. That's what I want. I want you to open your heart to me and just talk to me. Like, like you would a friend, like you would your wife, like you would your brother, like you would your best friend. And I will be here and I will send you my spirit and he will comfort you and he will guide you and he will lead you. And yes, in this life, you will have difficulties. In this life, you will have problems and situations that are going to make you're going to say why. In the next few weeks, we're going to struggle with these questions. Why is there evil? Why are these problems? And you have answers for every single one of those, Father. But those answers always start with to glorify God, to glorify you in our lives. So I pray this morning that whatever somebody's going through this morning, they would use these next few moments to just Take a deep breath and know that you are good. Oh, man, you're so good and you love us so much. And come clean this morning. Come forward and come clean. I just say, you know what? I am anxious. I, I'm not calm. I'm, 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 I'm running on empty. And, and I need to be filled again. Fill me with your spirit. Help me see the value of being thankful, of being appreciative of what I have. Thank you for my church. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my family. Bless this place. Bless this place, Father, because it's been here speaking your name for all these years. And we pray, Father, that you continue to allow it the privilege to be a place that you find pleasing in your sight. May everything that continues to happen in this building bring glory and honor to and through your amazing Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.